it's the next level. Primers, as we head into a yet another annual episode of the DC Primetime Podcast, this time with The Flash. Uh, from the spot, uh, Showcast Spotlight here on the Next Level Podcast Network, I am Ben Beck. And from the Caffeine Crew cast of pods, I'm Rob Martin. And after this is done, man, we got four down with one left. Yes, and it's going to be an interesting one on that one, I think. <laughs> yeah, uh, a lot of ups and downs on that one. I think this one's going to be interesting enough. Interesting in the fact that just doing our prep work, we're on the same page for a lot of this. I would say 90% of this is going to be the same across the board for both of us. Um, yeah, this was one of those ones. Normally, I'm like, oh, my God, I can't wait to talk about The Flash again. And uh, after Legends of Tomorrow, it was all downhill for me mentally. I'm like, oh, <laughs> yeah. And no, I hate to say that. I especially hate to say that about The Flash. I'm not saying it was a horrible season, uh, but I will say it was the worst season of The Flash we've had so far, I think. I, I, I think that's I think that's genuinely um, the pretty general consensus between everybody. Like doing all my research for for this annual, like looking at all the episodes, looking at the best moments, the worst moments and everything. Everything I saw online, for the most part, was a lot of people saying this was the worst season of The Flash. There there were a couple people defending this season, saying it wasn't the worst. But I didn't look to see what they thought was the worst. Mm. So I don't really know their reason behind it. I think it's because this season, if you think about most seasons of The Flash, there's so many big moments that happen throughout this season, I struggled to remember what those big moments were. It's not because we're so far away from when it ended. It was just I remember normally I used to be like, oh, my God, the flash is on tonight. I can't wait to watch this year. It was like, oh, great. The flash is on. Um, can I push that till Thursday or Friday? So <laughs> and like, it's weird to say that about that show. Um, it's always been one of my absolute faves. And uh, yeah, they, they struggled this year. They really struggled this year. It still is one of my faves. It's still a great show. Don't get me wrong. And when we say, hey, this is the worst season of The Flash, that's kind of like, man, this pizza is not the best pizza. But you're still eating pizza. You know, that's kind (laughs) of how it goes. It's a good analogy. Yeah, it's it's yeah. All pizza is usually great. Like even at the end of the day when it's kind of like, eh, you're like, but it's still pizza. So, yeah, yeah, it's it's still fine. But, uh, you know, it's. Uh, we're gonna be the we're gonna be the same with a lot of our things that we're gonna be touching base on on this one. That being uh, favorite and least favorite characters, favorite least favorite aspects or moments of the of the season, favorite and least favorite episodes of the season, and of course rating the villain and rating the season as a whole at the end. Uh, before we jump into things, though, I want to announce our contest. If that's okay, go for it. Uh, figure to do it right here at the beginning so that everybody gets to hear it. Uh, cause let's be real as podcast listeners and as podcasters, we know sometimes you bail out at the end of the main conversation before we get to the end of the podcast. So we're just going to do it now. Um, 
with the upcoming DC Universe launching this fall. We still don't have an exact date on that, but, you know, we'll, we'll see when, uh, I'm sure that'll be getting announced sooner or later. But we want to have a contest with you guys, with the primers. And here's what it is. It's very simple. You help us get to a thousand likes on Facebook, facebook.com slash DC primetime. And, uh, and that's by October 14th. That is the day that the show's premiere. My birthday. <laughs> it is your birthday. That's right. Yeah. Um. So for Rob's birthday, we will give one of you a gift. Yeah, but, I don't know uh, how that works, but yeah, sure. It, it works. I'm, I'm going to sweeten the pot. Um, Let's give away two annual subscriptions to DC Primetime. Hey, or man. not DC Primetime, to DC Universe. So we're giving annual subscriptions to us? Yeah. But we're already we free. Hey, enjoy this free podcast for free. <laughs> so. No, I'm I'm right there with you. I was thinking about that too, but and, and yeah, so we'll say that right now by October 14th, if you the primers help us get to 1000 likes on Facebook, we will give away two annual subscriptions to DC Universe. And here's here's the good part about that too, because if we do this before it launches, that doesn't mean you get 12 months, you get 15 months because there's an extra free three months if you pre-order. So that's our hope and goal here. Yes. So that gives you 15 months free access to comic books, movies, uh, exclusive offers that they're having only through that service for like collectibles, the whole nine. And you're going to get to start off to be able to watch Titans, all these pieces here. Uh, as far as we know right now, it will only be available in North America. So at least at the start of the service, I know a couple of friends of ours like Paul um, they are a little bummed that it could take some time to get out uh, outside the States, but uh, I'm sure that'll get added in. So if you're somebody that's on the outskirts and you end up having to win the contest and you're not eligible, uh, we'll find something else to equal out on Forest cost or something like that, like a little prize package. So uh, we want to make sure everybody's part of this. So we'll make sure it's equal value of these goodies that we'll, we'll give out if you're not in the continental U.S. So. Yeah, yeah, I, I, and um, we'll figure we'll figure something out. But exactly. I think this, I think this is, um, I think this is good. I mean, DC Universe is going to be pretty huge when it launches i know you and i are going to be subscribing to it um, absolutely because we're going to be talking about titans and you know some of the other shows that are going to be releasing on there so this is a good opportunity for some of you to try it and all you have to do as i mentioned is help to get us to a thousand likes on facebook share our page and just keep posting on con uh, on things that we post keep commenting liking sharing and of course listening to this podcast just mm -hmm. keep doing what you're already doing and you'll be eligible to win. But again, in order for this contest to be active, we have to have at least 1,000 likes on our Facebook page by October 14th. So just get out there and share the page. It's as yeah. simple as that. And we know it can be done because, man, oh, man, have we've had a lot of articles recently that we've been posting for news stories that have been blowing up. Uh, the Ruby Rose one that we'll talk about a little bit later with Batwoman and Brent Spiner last week. Uh Several thousands of you uh, may not be listeners. Some of them may just be checking our page for new stuff, which means you're probably not hearing me say this anyway. But <laughs> um, we're getting a lot more traction in there. So we just want to get a lot more of you people following us directly on that page. Uh, we've been trying our best. I know this past week, uh, the back half of the week, we didn't get to posting some news stories. Uh, we're, you know, with Shad, uh, our good friend out there, we actually may have him help 
because he's been tagging us in a lot of stuff as it breaks uh, to give us a hand in making sure we stay up to date on some stuff. So uh, me and Ben will probably be trying to hash that out because we want to do our best to become like kind of the aggregate of where you can constantly follow all the stuff as it hits because so many places are reporting stuff at different times. Um, and the reason Brent Spider and the Ruby Rose thing blew up so quickly is uh, we just been keeping our finger on the pulse as best as we can. And we're doing that with jobs and everything involved. So uh, we really appreciate how many of you are being active and engaging um, and just using us as your news source. It's really awesome to know that uh, we're, we're doing our job in, in keeping that news flow coming to all of you. You know what's funny too is when it came when it comes to that Ruby Rose story that we'll talk about a little bit later. Uh, I think one of the reasons why we it blew up with us as much as it did is because I, I I was literally, I think Variety was the first news um uh news media to break that story, and I I get notifications from Variety anytime they break anything like that. And the moment I saw it, like the moment it broke. I posted it on our page uh, to share it with all of you, the, the primers. And I think I, – actually, I don't think I know we beat comicbook.com to that story. We beat DC to that story. Yeah, by a good about 30, 40 minutes, most yeah. of them. So it was uh, – and Brent Spiner, I think we posted within a minute of that popping up on comicbook.com and it wasn't even available anywhere else yet. And it took me, I think, almost close to like four or five hours before I saw it populate anywhere else. So it's um, for for me and Ben, we were usually looking, I would say, probably every 20 to 30 minutes uh, between CBR, which is comic book resources, comicbookmovie.com, comicbook.com, variety, Twitter, wherever it may be, just to try to make sure and still stay focused on the other things we have to do where it's, yeah. it's, it's becoming a quick, <laughs> Hey, is anything? Nope. Okay, cool. Close page. <laughs> so yep, pretty much, I mean, for example, yeah. like I'm, I'm still on comicbook.com right now oh, as we're I talking. Am, I absolutely am too, because and, we record and it's happened many times in the past where I'm like, Hey, this does happen. Well, I'm, I'm looking at a story right now that kind of disappoints me and it has nothing to do with DC, but I'm really, really bummed in that, um, Chris Pine has dropped out of contract negotiations for Star Trek four. Yeah, him and Chris Hemsworth, who was supposed to potentially be rumored, were also saying, though, the next film could have been potentially because of the casting anywhere from three to four years off. And uh, I'm not too surprised about that. But how do you yeah, but how do you do it without Kirk? Yeah, well, I I, honestly, when they announced that that was a a hope and goal that more than likely I knew in my brain, I'm like, I don't think this film is going to happen with Tarantino. Uh, I really don't. Um, I mean, it would be cool as hell to see, but. Um, man, they have a lot of work to do to try to make that happen. So we'll see. We'll, we'll, yeah. it's, it's a time will tell kind of story, I think. So Meanwhile, back at DC. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, let's jump into this annual. And yeah, I think this the, is going to be a quicker one. I, I um, I there's, I, I do too. I think this is going to be a quick one. Uh, next week probably not so much, but we'll have a good friend helping oh, us God. along the way on the on our our. Our uh, discussions next week when we record which week again, uh, I'll say this up front too before we forget next week is a recording late. I'm away for uh, a, a, a convention weekend with my wife. So we'll be a recording. I believe that Monday night of everything the stars align properly with me, Ben and uh, Paul Williams. So well, it's going to be it's going to be interesting looking real quick at the future of the recording as well. Next week, we're going to be recording late as we'll be recording Monday, as you said. So uh, look for the the Arrow annual to post on Tuesday rather than Monday like all the other ones have been. And then September 8th and 9th. I will be away completely, so we'll probably be recording on a Monday again that weekend if if 
if it's possible. Um, and, but I mean, shows won't be back by then. We'll still be on our summer ed- episodes, which we need to figure out what we're doing when these annuals are over. Yeah. And I know at the end of October, after the shows actually return, there will be an episode of DC Primetime talking about the shows. And I think this is a first that one of the two of us will not be a part of. So we'll have a guest coming on to talk about the shows and the person not a part of it is me. Yeah, yeah. Because I will be uh, back in the moderating duties again, but this time I will be – it's a longer trip because it's a longer con and I'll be in Atlanta and I won't be back until Tuesday. And we just I, – I, I can't see putting it off that long with all the shows back in full swing. Right. So it's it's, it's going to be incredibly difficult for us to be able to do that. We're still trying to hash out when our recording time is going to be when the shows come back. Um, there's a lot of pieces for us to kind of look at. We keep kind of looking between Thursday nights, Sundays, all these things is recording times. Um, DC Universe streaming app and new shows that are going to appear there change a lot of that um, where I think it's going to be physically impossible for us to find a find a time that's gonna where it's gonna happen where some new show is not starting that we may want to discuss that's not gonna change up. It's like, well, this episode came out, blah, 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 blah. And how does that work and how does that that function? We have a lot of behind the scenes work that's gonna happen with the show. Um, you know, we're we're still trying to figure out what's best for us. Um whether that means one show is behind, because I think regardless, that's a high chance of happening, regardless, whenever Batwoman gets announced in the mix. If they say, hey, that's Thursday night, <laughs> you know, we're, we're in a we're in a tough spot. So, yeah, um, you know, it's, you know, the calls of do we focus purely on the Arrowverse and the Arrowverse alone, which means when Batwoman, if it gets picked up, that's five shows in Arrowverse with Black Lightning still kind of adjacent. Um, and it's do we just focus purely on the Arrowverse? Is Black Lightning included in that conversation? Is DC Universe uh, streaming shows included in that conversation? All these pieces, uh, because that's our goal here is to still provide you um, a, a way to to view most all of these shows. You know, Gotham's ending, so we'll maybe go back at some point in time and 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 close out those two final seasons in there in the mix. Um, we have old seasons of the shows that never got annuals. Maybe that's something we'll do down the road. And then other pieces like, uh, you know, iZombie, Lucifer, all these other things that we love and enjoy. And it's the question of do we eventually do annuals to catch up and close out chapters of previous shows? And then what is the future of the DC Universe shows on this podcast as well? So we have a lot of things kicking around our brains because it, I think our goal here is, again, to be an aggregate for the news, but maybe an aggregate for a majority of these shows in some way, shape or form. So, yeah, we'll, we'll figure it out, but yeah, we'll, absolutely. It's, it's a work in progress. We'll it absolutely is. So. Let's jump into this annual. And as I mentioned, least favorite and favorite characters, least favorite moments and aspects of the season, least favorite and favorite episodes of the season, rating the villain and rating this season as a whole. Plus we'll, we'll jump into some predictions or notes that either one of us might have for, the uh, uh for the upcoming season for season five but let's start and this is probably the worst one to start with because i don't even think you have one or it was tough for you to figure one out but mm-hmm. let's start with least favorite character of the season uh we always do our least favorites first so that this way we're, we're kind of high by the end of this but um if you want me to go first 
so that you can you still have time to kind of fill uh, out I, yours? I've got my answer. <laughs> so, okay. Um, all right. Well, then I'll I'll let you kick it off then if you have your answer. Man, so this was a tough one for me because I was really trying to think of looking at the core cast um, that were the characters that are or, or the most recurring. And um, I, my answer was a, an interesting one to come to. And it, it's actually a multiple way tie. My least favorite character of the season is Team Flash, um, the original core Team Flash, Cisco, Caitlin Snow, Barry, um, you know, uh, it was even in, in throwing Iris in the mix, uh, in, in excluding uh, Wells, because, again, this is a Wells that you know, we've, we've worked with sometime for from the Earth 2 version. But I really felt that the camaraderie, the connection be- between those characters all throughout the season were at some of its weakest and worst that we've seen from them. Caitlin's story was uh, I'm still not enjoying the way that they're handling this dual identity killer frost thing. Uh, it becomes odder and odder and odder. Uh, not the animal, but odd. O-D-D. I- <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, and it, it was really kind of weird thinking about that. It was kind of I, they never clicked the way that they used to in the past. We saw a few episodes this year where they did kind of function as a unit a little bit more so. But they never felt like they they had that family dynamic that we're so used to seeing from that core. Uh, and it was kind of disappointing. Barry was very mopey again this season or kind of pushing everybody to, uh, you know, past the brink. And I just wanted to see a kind of positive, upbeat Barry Allen. And we, you know, obviously there was a lot of horrible things that happened to his character. We had a kind of quick version of the trial of the flesh. We saw Barry behind bars for a while. But just that levity and the humor that we've seen from most of those characters was at a lower point that we've seen in previous seasons. You know, last year, the show did get on a darker edge, but this year, and they were like, well, we're going to try to pull away from that and make this more upbeat. Man, this season was a hell of a lot darker than season three was. Yeah, it was. By leaps and bounds. Uh, and, and just Caitlin's story never clicked. Cisco had some fun moments. Uh, he did bring levity to uh, the, the show like he usually does, but even his plot line this year was on the thinner side of things. Like we didn't feel like I saw a lot of growth from either or any of the three of these characters. They were, they were kind of just trapped in, in where they were functioning as, as characters. There was not a lot of forward momentum for the, for the bulk of them, with the exception of Caitlin. Now we know a little bit more about her, her powers and where they came from. Well, it's not really where they came from, but the fact that she always kind of had these and it's the question of is this still a result of Flashpoint? But your, your brain it kind of breaks when you have to wrap your head around some of the pieces of the puzzle for a lot of these characters this year. So they just never felt like they hit where they needed to hit. Um, and I really want to see that change and get back to what we were so used to with season one, two and season three and season four again was just a low point for the team as a whole. So uh, I, I hate to give it to those three core characters, but I would say I'm going to put them in my, my least favorite uh, because they should be the forward momentum of keeping the show up and moving uh, in a, in a good fun, fast, quick pace, no pun intended for the flash, but they, they just never kind of clicked as the core that it, that show really needs. And that keystone uh, where everything else is built off of. So, wow, you put so much more thought into your worst characters than I did. I, I it was so tough for me to find mine, uh, because I mean, I think kind of for the same reason. There was just 
it wasn't that there was anybody that was just a deplorable character. And this is something that some of the other shows have, have gotten to, like, especially with, with Legends of Tomorrow when we did that last week, when it was really, really hard to find a least favorite character because nobody really stood out as being the absolute worst. Everybody was kind of on an even keel this season, whereas nobody was really horrible, but nobody stood out as great with the exception of one character. Um, which I know we're, I already know we're both on the same page when it comes to favorite character of the season, but even that season, even that character, when we get in the favorite, had its struggle a little yeah, bit. This he season. almost ended up in my least favorite and, and favorite character. I was going to have him as both for a moment or two. And then I was like, I don't know if that's going to work. But my brain still kind of functions that way. <laughs> and so I get you. Yeah. But, so when it came to least favorite character for me, I really just I, I looked at a list of all the characters from this season. And I was like, well, no, I can't give it to that person. And, you know, I can't this person can't do this person. But there was one name that when as I was going across, I was like, you know, yeah, that character really just didn't strike with me on good or bad. They were just kind of Switzerland in the, in this. And it was, and that was Black Bison. Uh, one of the bus metas that we got, she was the one who was able to, that Barry and Ralph ran into in the, in the museum, uh, who was able to reanimate inanimate objects. Uh, so a lot of museum pieces were coming to life. And I mean, to me, okay, it, she's got a, somewhat formidable power but she's basically just the human embodiment of night at the museum at least in that episode that's kind of what it came down to and it just for for some reason was a villain that never struck a chord to me like didn't seem formidable at all uh, you know when it came to facing team flash i mean even like kilgore especially with a with a team that is surrounded by technology kilgore was very formidable hazard yes being luck um, and having a luck based power. We've seen it work with Domino and in Deadpool. And now we saw it in on the DC side of it with, with Hazard. Black Bison for me just never stuck. Uh, it never stuck its landing. And for, and for that reason, that was really the one character more than anybody else I kept going back to when it came to trying to pick a least favorite. No, I totally understand that. Like I said, it, this was the hardest one I've had a while to really think about. And uh, like I said, I think you and me both are viewing it in pretty much the same same mindset like it was looking at a, a list of characters to make man there there's there were so many problems in this season and it, it's you can look at it from some of the one-off villains that are tied to devoe there are the core cast um and really if we look at it the worst the worst character of this season are the writers <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a good point yeah that's a very 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 good point it's gonna be fun too because you know it's, it's gonna be funny because even just thinking ahead to next season or not next season to next annual to arrow um I think I'm going to struggle with not only least but favorite yeah. <laughs> character of the season. Uh, uh, and if yeah. we had this much trouble with Flash, I'm going to have to start putting some thought into it early with the Arrow duel for next week. Uh, luckily, I have at least an extra day now since we're not recording until Monday. Uh, so we've gotten least favorite character out of the way. Let's jump into favorite. I know we're both on the same page with this. So I don't know if you have any honorable mentions, but I do. Uh, I do have one honorable mention for this. Go for it. Uh, my honorable mention actually is Breacher. Uh, Danny Trejo, I thought was a great addition. And while he was only in, I think two, maybe three episodes of the season, 
uh, he was a lot of fun to just see in this season. So, I mean, he wasn't a regular, and I know sometimes we reserve favorite and least favorite characters for, like, regulars of the season, the people we see on multiple occasions. But, I mean, I gave it to Black Bison, who we only saw in two episodes. And I'm giving my honorable mention to Breacher, because, again, you mentioned there was some levity in the Cisco storyline for the for some of it throughout this season, and I thought a lot of it came from Breacher at the same time. Danny Trejo was, was I think, great casting for that role. And anytime we saw him go together, they were just some of the best moments of the season that we've seen so far. Ooh, especially when you add Gypsy into it. Okay. Well, we're going to revisit that later. So, oh, uh, you think you get some of the worst? Absolutely. <laughs> All right. So. Well, then we'll, we'll get to that a little bit later then. Yep. Uh, but yeah, my honorable mention is Breacher. So I don't know if you have an honorable mention. Um, it, it, it's kind of a, a, a humorous honorable mention, but I would give it to the council of Wells who we did see twice this season. Um, okay. the introduction and then the, the, the breakdown of the council of Wells much later because man, HR Wells just cracks me the hell up. <laughs> so HR was very close to getting my honorable mention because I think he's gotten my favorite or at least honorable mention of every season we've done so far. Uh, yeah, uh, but yeah, Wells, uh, you know, was just the multiple versions he has played, uh, I, I gotta give it to him for at least an honorable mention again, because Harry was great. Uh, well, HR, it's like I said, HR was a different Wells, but Harry was great, but, uh, Hair Wells, uh, was one of my favorite things <laughs> in the world. Um, because it's funny to think of because, you know, we have the breaks in the seasons and things like that that happen early on. And I'm like, oh, yeah, well, the Council of Wells was introduced last year. I'm like, oh, my God, no, it wasn't. It was this year. Um, it just feels like there's so much time that has passed since we originally saw them. And then we saw them again later in the season. So, um, yeah, but yeah, uh, <laughs> Wells, the Magnificent, too, also honorable mention. So. <laughs> um. <laughs> uh, I guess that leads us to our favorite character. Yeah. And I mean, it's something we can just, I know we're both on the same page already. And favorite character of this season was Ralph Dibney, the elongated man. Mm -hmm. Um, such a great character to, to add into it. I didn't know where they were going to go with it when they first announced that we were getting the elongated man, but, uh, Hartley Sherman just brought so much great flavor to that character. Uh, to the point where I know by the end of the season, you and I were really hoping they were going to turn things around with the story and he was going to become a a new addition to the show and he was going to come back. Because I know we kind of fell into that trap last season with um, – uh, for the life of me, I can't remember his name. Um, uh, Tom Felton's character. Tom Felton's character. Yeah, we were really hoping – like we really grew to like him and he became a, a favorite character of the season – and we were really hoping he would come back this season, and he didn't. So I know when we got the news that Hartley Sawyer was coming back into season five as Ralph Dibney, we were both pretty happy about that. Absolutely. Uh, so I, no, go ahead. I was good. Yeah, no, it, it's he was such a fun addition, and honestly, for me, like I, I kind of lost it the moment that like the, we saw him at the end of one of the episodes where he says, uh, "I smell a mystery," and then you see the nose switch. And, uh, man, like I was just like just all smile. It was such a great comic book moment come to life to see that happen. Uh, but it was also really difficult. It was like, is he definitely my favorite character? Because as much as I loved him, the writers did some serious, had some serious problems with his characters because they got lost and didn't know what to do with him at numerous points in time. It was, hey, and we brought this up numerous times in the season. 
where it's like, I want to be a hero. I'm terrified to do this. I want to be a hero. I'm terrified to do this. Cool. I'm over my problems. Problem is back again. It was this back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back well, and forth. Well, it's, it's, it's so funny that you say that because I'm going to tie two bullet points of this annual together. And it's actually the next one we were going to go into anyway. So we can kind of combine the two, at least for me. Uh, my least favorite moment slash aspect of the season. I quite honestly, the way you just said it. I have written down and I could take a picture of it, the back and forth of Ralph. Mm-hmm. And that is my least, while he was my favorite character from the season, it was also my least favorite aspect of the season is that you're right. Like he, there were moments in these episodes where he was coming into his own as a hero and he wanted to be that hero. And then the next episode, he's, he's kind of backing off and he's, I don't know if I want to do this. And it was so constant throughout the season that it just got tiresome. Yeah, it really did. I think that's a, it's a new category for our annual sloppiest writing. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, oh god, then our next annual is going to have a lot of winners. Hey, I can already tell you what it's going to be: collision course, done and done. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah, no, I like I said, I fully, fully agree. Like I said, I loved his character so much. Hartley Sawyer was such an amazing part of all of all of the season as a whole, and and brought what I needed to help the season along and get to the next steps. And and I really think that they did succeed with his character as a character that we're going to continue to love. We hope is going to be a ongoing part of the Arabs for, you know, the near future. And uh, I, I'm just really happy that he's coming back as a season regular next year. And it's just a, a, going to be a core part of team flash going forward. Uh, but you're right though, as far as the, the least favorite things from this season, that back and forth was incredibly brutal because it, it takes a character that you love. Like, do I still love them? And when you have to ask that question, that's that gets a little little concerning sometimes. Yeah. Uh, but you mentioned beforehand an honorable mention for your favorite was was Breacher. And as much as I adored Danny Trejo, the way that they had him as Breacher in the season, like was also, in my opinion, a very inconsistent character. Uh, he was this very gruff character, but. Every time he spoke, I don't think I've ever seen more overacting in this Arrowverse <laughs> in its entirety of existence. Even over Helena Bertinelli's version of the Huntress when we saw we saw her early on in Arrow, which was some characters or some people's still most hated character that's ever appeared in the Arrowverse back when she was in season one. She was just so over the top. It was so ham fisted. And it was that's every time he spoke his mannerisms, his motions, like when he was trying to use his powers at the end, it was just I don't know if it was the directorial stylings, which is funny because it was Kevin Smith, um, <laughs> all these pieces. Uh, well, and I'm like, man, it was just it. Every time he appeared, it was just it, it. My my head hurt, and I was like, "Oh, I can't do this anymore." <laughs> so, well, um, here's the, when it comes to like the overacting of this, and you say like you don't know if it was the directing or if it was you know whoever. Um, I I think it was Danny Trejo. To I, be completely honest with you, I'm pretty sure it was Danny Trejo. <laughs> and, and like I said, he's like I've seen him do great dramatic pieces where he he plays characters incredibly straight and this was a place for him to play in a toy box and i totally get it he gets to be a superhero and having danny Trejo as a superhero was awesome and i think he had some excellent excellent scenes uh but there was also i think for every great scene there was an equally as bad cringeworthy scene as well and that was i think my problem is it was because again it goes back to that ralph stuff there was so much inconsistency with the, his character and it feels like 
maybe sometimes the writing was just a little over top or they could have used another take or two where everybody's acting feels somewhat grounded and you bring him into a scene and everything just feels it just disconnects. And that was the problem where it was that one piece of the puzzle in, in this, you know, ensemble that just was, you know, like, say, for example, you walk in a room and everyone's wearing, wearing a, a red shirt. Danny Trejo comes in wearing plaid and you're like, what the hell? Is that? <laughs> That's the way it kind of felt like in my brain. It was just like there was just one piece in that sequence that just was not on the same page as everybody else. But then there's scenes where he's just like, oh, guys, I'm sorry. I'll, I'll take the flannel off my phone underneath this. I, I was just messing with you guys. And like, let's keep that scene. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> so um, but yeah, that's that was the problem for me. It, it's as much as I love him and loved what he did with him. Um, it, again, it comes down to inconsistencies. And I think that's a mixture between uh, writing and directing versus as much uh, uh, just the actor, because I've seen and I know you have, too. And as well as many listeners have seen him give some amazing performances over his career. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's one of the reasons why I was really excited to see him come into the cast as a character. Absolutely. And like I said, yeah, he did have some really wonderful, amazing sequences, though, as well. So I'm not saying that's why he didn't fall into my least favorite by any stretch. He wasn't even in the equation. But um, it, again, it's it's like the Ralph stuff and this. It was just inconsistency in writing, uh, directing styles, things like that. So, OK, no, I understand that, too. I, I, I just I think I looked at it as a just from a different perspective and it was, you know, yeah, it's just weird that we were both in different dynamics of that. And I, the storyline, the storyline and the plot of it, I thought, I thought was hilarious, though. Yeah. <laughs> so I was I was 100 percent behind that. And don't get me wrong. Like, I do agree that there was definitely some overacting on the part of Danny Trejo's um, persona when it came to that. But I'm I'm also somebody who I've seen again. We go back with his previous works. If you've ever seen Machete or you've seen uh like shark girl and lava Bo- or lava girl and shark boy whatever those movies were and like the sky um, the spy kids movies danny trejo is definitely guilty of overacting in his career so i, I kind of just watch, like sons of anarchy and you're like holy crap you know <laughs> so sons of anarchy or um like badass or um oh no hobo with the shotgun was not <laughs> danny trejo um that was uh there, there's he he's yeah. been he's been a major player as a background character and a character actor for so many things but like you, you never know which version of him you're gonna get but regardless it's awesome everybody loves danny trejo so yeah again i think it's one of those things because yeah reverse let's be honest there's a lot of overacting that happens with certain characters but a lot of times the that overacting becomes very endearing look at people's opinion of wentworth miller when he came in as captain cold at first and everybody's like oh my god this dude just chews scenery like crazy and everybody's like walked away he's one of the best characters in the world and i, I think I, it's, I, it's one of those things that i think if we had more time with his character my opinion of that could have been completely changed and we probably would have adapted to it exactly as, as we it, did with wentworth miller and you you just you'll you'll fall in love with that style and what they're doing it, it's it's what those pieces end up usually becoming so well i mean you never know i mean we might end up now correct me if i'm wrong this i i don't know i i i'm, I'm saying this because i honestly don't remember did the relationship between Gypsy and Cisco end before the end of this season? Yes, it did. Uh, okay. they, they did split up, uh, but it was kind of amicable. It's kind of like, hey, we both want different things because Cisco wanted a tight relationship and Gypsy with, with what they had. And it, that's what caused it to split. OK, I couldn't remember. I, c- I couldn't remember if it had or not. So but I mean, that doesn't mean there's still not a chance we won't see Bre- uh, Gypsy and Breacher again. 
I'm sure we will. I'm absolutely sure that we're going to see them. And I would love to see him come back again. We saw him in that Hawaiian shirt in his final appearance when he's like, yep, I'm going to retire. I'm going to go do this on this or just kind of kick back and relax. And I, I would love to see Cisco have to help him out kind of like at a beach resort at some point in time next season, just for that'd be, that'd that be fun throw away um, yeah. sequence or two. Cause uh, it would be awesome. It would just be fun to watch. So. Let's um let's jump into our favorite moment uh, or aspect of the season, and I'm gonna let you take the lead on this one since I took the lead on the last one. Uh, one of the things I really, really thought was just wonderful, and just it it was one of those moments where your head just broke, was when we found out at a later point in time, or actually kind of in the front half after you know Devoe died, when we found out that Dominic. Uh, the first uh, first new body for DeVoe was behind everything. When we saw that twist happen, um, you know, we, we saw that great sequence. And man, when that happened, wow, it was it, it broke your brain and made DeVoe terrifying. We see him show up at, you know, the West home and kind of involve himself into the mix right when Barry's getting set up for, uh, you know, the murder of Clifford and how that breaks down. And man, it, it had such this hardcore impact on everything. And it was so damn awesome to watch. Um, and that was one of those moments where I, wow, DeVoe is truly a wonderfully terrifying villain, which connects me to this absolute top sequence of this season, hands down, comes in the penultimate episode of this season where we see DeVoe infiltrate Ars in one of the greatest action sequences that has ever happened on the show, where we see him <laughs> use every one of the powers he's absorbed from the bus metas uh, in episode 22, Think Fast. It's about a three or four minute sequence set to classical music. And man, was it just just jaw droppingly amazing. And there was the problem was, again, this happened in the penultimate and. How do you top it? And they couldn't. They couldn't top it. They ended up with a Broly Brawl situation from Matrix uh, Reloaded. And it just didn't work where in Think Fast, one of the absolute coolest sequences we have ever seen on The Flash. And it's that sequence that actually, I know I'm jumping ahead a little bit too, but that is Think Fast got one of my two honorable mentions for um, for favorite episode because of that action sequence. Absolutely. Absolutely. So there was one episode that I very bigly, very easily tops as my favorite episode, but we'll get to that in a minute. Um, and actually, you know, believe it or not, my favorite moment aspect of the season was, um, kind of related to our favorite episode. And that was seeing the return of two more speedsters. And we got to see the return of both Jesse Quick and Jay Garrick this season. And the moment of them working together uh to kind of defuse that nuclear bomb that was going to be going off in the in the city uh, dude i think th that was probably it when i look back at this entire season it was one episode that really didn't have much to do with the main plot of what was going on with the season but still stands out to me as by far one of the most memorable things that happened this season Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It, I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing or a bad thing that the one thing I remember the most about this season, nothing to do with the main story. I think that that might be kind of hurtful to the main story itself. But the, um, we, we've already I, kind of said, too, that the main story wasn't exactly the strongest. Well, I think what it is, is, you know what, though, it, it's you go back to season two and there is that quick sequence that happens at the end of the one episode where, you know, 
King Shark shows up and grabs Barry Allen. And that was such a memorable, iconic moment. I can see that play back in my head a thousand and one times. It had nothing to do with the main plot whatsoever. But it was one of those just jaw-dropping, wow, this show can pull off some of the greatest-looking CG I have ever seen anywhere. And the fact that, like, again, not a plot connection piece with the exception of to bring in, actually, oddly enough, one of our favorite characters, Harry, for the very first time when that happened back in season two. So it's okay when things like that don't don't connect because, again, sometimes it, it, you have to remember this is a comic book show. And when you have episodes like that, that feels like that great, like, breather one-off single-issue comic uh, that some of these shows do phenomenally. I love when we get them sometimes because it gives you some time to breathe from away from the main story. And it's kind of that palate cleanser before you get back into things. And, yeah. man, you're right. When we talk about our favorite episodes, there's a good reason why that that one is probably top dog for both of us. Yeah. And, um, and, and that just has a lot to do with it was seeing – uh, I mean, we kind of, I, I kind of tie this into the finale of the, of season three as well, when we had that moment when we saw all of the speedsters working together to defeat Savitar, and you know, you see all of the different colored lightnings interacting with each other, and and you know, and going going next to each other, and I kind of akin that to this, uh, and that like it was just really cool seeing. Uh, one seeing the effect of all the of all the speedsters working together but this is the time we're ever seeing the three of them working together in um in flash time like mm-hmm. we're seeing it was such a brilliant effect of seeing these characters working together and seeing nothing moving in the background and we even when we talked to John Wesley Ship about this he even said it was a different experience for him because there were legitimately extras in the background who were literally standing there and not moving. And it was a really cool experience for him to, to be with that. So just having that effect and seeing these three characters working together in that aspect it easily for me made that one of my favorite moments of the season. Absolutely. Absolutely. Without question, that was it was such a stunning sequence that lasted an entirety of an episode, which was amazing to see. Um, you know, uh, one of the things that I got to bring up, too, because it was something that kind of falls into our favorite characters and honorable mentions. Um, but it was a character that kept reoccurring this season that we were introduced to. Bilbo. Um, not Bilbo. Huh? That's <laughs> not Bilbo. That's Lord of the Rings. Yeah, I was like, what the hell are you talking about, buddy? <laughs> Sorry, um, just, I'm crazy. Well, no, not Bebo, yeah. uh, actually. Bebo does make a great appearance. Multiple Bebos make a great appearance this this uh, episode. But um, there was a side story that was happening. And while the side story was eh, um, Amun- Amunet Black and her interaction with the team, anytime she came in and we had Katie Sackhoff join the cast uh, numerous times this season, we saw quite a bit, man. Uh, she kind of became... Um, the new fan favorite character in the way that like Leonard Stark was previously. She's somebody I really want to see a good fear for, but anytime she had a good sequence uh, in this or anytime she was in the scene, she was such a great scene stealer and it was just so much fun to watch interact with all of these characters. So I would say definitely to anytime she made an appearance to was a, always a big, huge highlight for me. I really, really enjoyed uh, what they did with her character, did something just a little bit different, but she was just kind of like, the, her tone and the way that she functioned and worked, it was kind of like an evil Mary Poppins with superpowers. Yeah. So, and we know that she's, um, it, it, I, I was just oh, going to go say, ahead. and we know that she's tied in with Caitlin still. So in one way, shape or form. So, and she wasn't killed or anything like that at the end of the episode. So I think there's a good possibility we might see Amunet return in the season five. 
Yeah, and I, that's not a problem. And uh, last but not least, I'm sure you would agree with this too for favorites this season was Harry's story. Oh God, Harry had such an amazing this season, uh, and especially to his connection with Da Cecile Horton. <laughs> so uh, gotta say it that way too. Whenever you talk about Harry and her, but uh, their their relationship as friends really was wonderful and beautiful to watch. But there was a wonderful sequence uh, this season involving his character. Uh, in Enter Flash Time um, as well, between him and Jesse, where they're kind of somewhat saying goodbye to each Without other. Without saying a um, word. And it was just this beautifully touching sequence where he's got the thinking cap on and, you know, they're they they're kind of disconnected, like, gnarly. And you just watch them have this beautiful, quiet moment. Hands down, I think one of the most touching sequences we've seen on this show, next to the moments of, like, Barry saying goodbye to his mother. Uh, the end of season, uh, you know, was it the end of season two uh, before uh, when the end of season one and the end of season two when we've seen them interact. But man, such a beautiful, beautiful sequence. No, I, I agree with you completely. And it's so funny that I, I really, as much as I love that episode, I completely forgot about that moment at the end with him and Jesse. And not only that, but. You know, so many great moments from his character, not just earlier on with, you know, with that moment at the end of Ender Flash Time, but also just his character saying goodbye to the team at the end was not only, you know, in the season finale was not only very heartfelt, but humorous at the same time. Like it, it was a moment that was able to add not only heart, but levity. And when you have moments like that, they're just brilliant. You know, they're just brilliantly written and they're, they're unforgettable. And it's, oh God, I'd like, there's, uh, there's a moment that makes me kind of almost tear up at the end of the season when he is saying goodbye. And it's Cisco both putting their hand up against each other is like, you will always be my friend. And it cuts over to Iris is like, ah, Star yeah, Wars. <laughs> Barry just like because shaking his head. Like, no, it's this amazingly sweet moment that you kind of get a little glassy eyed and then immediately just bust out laughing. Yeah. <laughs> so well, not only that, but I mean, like, that's one of those moments that goes from heart to levity very quickly. But then even at the end of it, when he just walks away and they're looking at each other like, is that it? And he comes back in for the hug with everybody. And you just like. God, like Kavanaugh is just such a fantastic actor. Like I, I love him. I do too. He is he is the heart of the show. <laughs> like Papa Joe and him, man. If you get rid of either of them ever permanently, I think everybody will lose their minds. I, yeah, so. I know I will. I, I absolutely will. Um, yeah. So that leads us into least favorite episode. Uh, f- oh no, least favorite. Oh no, we did least favorite. We did least moments. favorite yeah, moments. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So now we're least favorite episode. We're on the same page. This, uh, this is one of those ones that man, we uh, <sighs> Flash and Arrow tried to do something. Arrow, as much as we put the season down, pulled it off. This one, the Flash at, between the two shows, the one that we thought would get it right didn't <laughs> um and that was the female empowerment episode of the season and episode five oh, girls night girls out girls night Oof. out the bachelorette party it was just oh painful. man it was <laughs> absolutely painful and i i want to preface this conversation but like we have nothing against girl power like women empowerment that nothing Dude, if against anything, that are all for it <laughs> but one of the things that we strive to do, and Ben can attest, Kaki Crew Cast of Pods used to be a bit of a boys club. 
one of the things that we fought and fought and fought to do was to bring in as many female, you know, just like just geeks that love talking about pop culture. And man, it was so great the moment we succeeded. I think we have like four or five that are that are waiting in the wings at any time we announce an episode to jump on board and join us. And man, I love, love, love anything that we can do to help add to that. And so, yeah, we're, we're huge people that are proponents of equality across anything humanly possible. And, man, this episode was just a PSA gone terribly wrong. Oh, my God. <laughs> so. It was just so over the top, over exaggerated. Like, I, I, like how many times did they – I don't remember exactly what – I don't remember if it was Girls' Night or Girl Power or whatever it was. But, like, they were basically announcing what they the episode was supposed to be about. Like, this episode was all about supposed to be women empowerment, girl power, and stuff like that. But when you have to constantly write that into the dialogue, there is something wrong. You are not making your point the way you are, the way you should have made your point. You shouldn't have to say, like, you know, if you're doing an episode that's all about, like, gun safety, you, like, this literally felt like there were moments in this episode that couldn't have gotten any worse unless Emily Beckards or, or Danielle Panabaker literally broke the fourth wall, looked at the camera and said, girl power. Like that was the only thing that could have made these episodes more, more obvious to what they were trying to do. Oh God, it was so bad. (laughs) It's so, so, so bad. Um, there was just nothing good about the episode whatsoever. And and the only, man, I don't even have any, (laughs) the only thing I think I'm using about this episode whatsoever was Ralph horribly ruining the bachelor party by going to the strip club, which was, and even that was a, a flash in the pan joke overdone for far too long. But I mean, like, Uh, but even that, even that, you know, is just a prime example as to how horribly wrong this episode was done was where you're having an episode that's all about girl power and women empowerment, but yet the strongest parts are the males. And and they're not even that strong, so that's well, no, really not saying that, a I will lot. say the, the strongest part was Killer Frost being a badass at the end of the episode, but it was it was the lead up to that just was bad. <laughs> it just it, sucked. It, it really was. It sucked in every way, shape, and form. Um, it was it was ham fisted writing. It was just uh, probably it will go down as one of the worst episodes ever of the Flash. Um, I don't think there was an episode I've ever hated. Almost as equally as bad until we talk about the next annual. So, oh uh, god, bad. And and, it, and, it's, and I want to preface too. It's not just our opinion on this. I know many female Flash fans that were like, "What the hell was that?" My wife, being one of them, was like, "And just was like, that was one of the worst episodes I've ever seen. Worst written, worst acted, everything about it." And man oh god it sucked so hard (laughs) yeah i i really can't say enough how bad that episode was and it was funny too because like as i'm going through and i'm looking at the episodes i my my favorite episode was very easy i knew it from the start before i even started looking at the episodes and i thought about it for a minute i'm like wait a minute i'm like i don't know what my least favorite episode is and i got five episodes into them like nope done i don't it's kind of funny too because before we we kind of talk about that in full it was already our favorite episode, but it became even better because we got to talk to John Wesley's ship less than a week after that air. Oh, God. And it was so and fresh in our man, minds. And it was, and it was <sighs> watching that episode and having that conversation immediately after and spending like 40 minutes with this amazing, amazing and sweet and just wonderful man uh, who was just was so 
honored and excited to be able to talk about this kind of stuff added this beautiful exclamation point to the end of one of my favorite episodes of the flash which let's just put it out there now um favorite episode of the season hands down from the two of us enter flash time um again just so brilliantly done seeing the returning of john wesley ship as jay garrick and then like you said getting to talk to him a week afterwards after it had aired and getting so much behind the scenes and spending time with him you're right just absolutely in love for that episode and just from starting this annual recording this annual and talking more about enter flash time i'm watching that episode when we're done uh, I am probably listening to that interview because, man, like, I, I will say this. That was an episode we already gave high praise to. If we gave that a, a, a you know, a number score, easily would have been a 9, 9.5. Um, and it was just such a fun, wonderful, wonderful episode. That was just so great to watch. I love the fact that you basically have... Again, as you put it before, you have all these actors just standing perfectly still as statues. And you're while everything's been going so fast, it's done slowly and methodically with with all the flashes, alternate Earths trying to figure out how best to stop this from happening. And it's just you're just walking alongside them at a normal pace uh, as they're kind of looking at things and realizing that that's not it. And the episode essentially this takes place over the course of. A mo- couple mo- quick yeah. moments. The whole episode, I think, is like a five-minute time span, if that. Maybe. And, and, and it's brilliant. And I, I want to bring up, I want to bring something to your attention too, just to, just to make it seem like we're not blowing smoke up your ass when it comes to this episode. I'm sure many of our listeners probably agree with us that this was one of the best episodes of the season, if not the best episode of the season. And I want to put something into perspective to you when you look at the ratings of these episodes. Crisis on Earth X Part 3, which we've done pretty well about not including the crossover into our favorites and least favorites. Because, well, with the exception of Legends, because, oh, God, the death of Martin Stein just broke me. But, um, you know, we want to hold the the crossover, those four episodes, kind of in their own realm at this point. Um, the rating for that episode, Crisis on Earth X Part 3, was an 8.8 out of 10. It is the second highest rated episode of the season. Enter Flash Time being the highest with a 9.2. Yeah, and it deserved it. It was really – and you know what I love, though, too, is the fact that any of the speedsters, if they touch somebody, they help put them into Flash Time for a short, quick burst and period of time as long as they were connected in some open form. And they, they could kind of hold on to it for just a moment or two. But I loved the urgency. That was associated with them because none of them were speedsters where essentially would cause them to just combust. Uh, if they stayed in it too long, you saw them start burning out quicker and quicker and quicker. And only the metas, for the most part, were able to do anything about kind of keeping them, uh, keeping it their, their, their selves together. But again, we see that beautiful moment of Jesse when she realizes she's running out of time and can't hold this much longer is when you see her dart off to just go to her father real quick touch him bring him into flash time for just a moment just so she could say i love you and goodbye um and well, not, well, not only not only that but we get those moments too where we're seeing you know uh we're seeing barry running we're seeing jesse running but we're seeing jay running and we're seeing this the beads of sweat running down jay's uh running down jay's brow and it was at that moment when i really started to realize that 
I, there was a fear. There was a legitimate fear in my brain that I thought to myself at that moment, I was like, if we lose Jay Garrick in this episode, I'm going to break. Yeah. Like, I am absolutely going to break. Thankfully, that did not happen. We did see um, him retire at the end of the episode, though. We did, but retire for good reason. He's going on to train other speedsters. So he's not taking a back seat. He's continuing his legacy just in a new way. I can't wait to see them hopefully play with that next season. I would love for them to go onto his earth and watch him get drained someone new uh as we can see and uh, there's so many speedsters in in dc comics universe that they can just pluck from somebody so unique interesting and add a new dynamic or like some someone that's a bit of a hothead uh that we see jay have to deal with and maybe barry having having to help coach um which could be so much fun i would love and adore to see that well, we did find out that in addition to Barry and Nora, we are going to see more speedsters this season. So we don't know if that means the run of some speedsters or some new speedsters that we're going to see. But you're right. I would love to see. Oh, give me John- Mercury. Come on. <laughs> but I would love to see um, John Wesley ship return as Jay Garrick, the mentor. And maybe introduce us to a new speedster in that sense. And that maybe, you know, Mercury or, or, you know, Bart are one of the two people that, that he's training right now. Yeah. So I thought it would be really cool. But yeah, I mean, I think it's very easily, um, enter flash time. Yeah. And hands down. And we mentioned again too that, that beautiful sequence again that, that tips off the end of that episode and just caps off this story beautifully with that beautiful moment between Jesse and Harry. Um, again, like that was a moment that you just kind of tear up and you're just like, this is this beautiful acting, uh, and set up for a sequence. And they both pulled it off just beautifully violent bean and, 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 uh, Tom Cavanaugh gave such a beautiful performance at the end of that. Yeah. I'm definitely watching that episode when we're done recording. It will be what I'm watching while I'm editing this podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, all right. That leaves us to the final ratings of both the villain and the season as a whole. Oh, oh, so, oh. Before we get there, there's something we forgot that's incredibly, incredibly important. There was something. The return of Leo Lesnar. Well, not just that, but there okay. was <laughs> two characters that were very special characters introduced into the Arrowverse this season. Because of the Flash in episode 17, Null and Annoyed, directed by none other than Kevin Smith, as Jay <laughs> and Silent Bob are officially part of this earth working as security guards at a museum. Which means that uh, if you look at things from continuity standpoint, the Kevin Smith universe exists in the DC universe. So somewhere out there. Brody's secret stash <laughs> <laughs> exists Exist. in the Arrowverse. But in Chronic is <laughs> a failed movie. <laughs> <laughs> which is so fun to talk about. So fun to think about that there are not only um oh god, what's um there it also means that um uh movies exists in the Arrowverse. Ooh, I want to see that episode that's a rivalry between Big Belly Burger and Movies. <laughs> between Big Belly and Movies. Oh my god, how amazing would that be? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's so, uh, it's brilliant. I, I love I, that so much. I almost forgot us before we moved on. I'm like, crap, we have to talk about that just for at least a second. So. Yeah. Um, okay, so. Yeah, I, I completely forgot about <laughs> that too. Um, yeah, so. 
Now jumping into our ratings of the villain and the season as a whole, what we do with these is we are both our two point rating for this. Uh, we give it a one through 10 rating, those being one through three being sidekick, four through, uh, four through seven being hero and eight through 10 being legend. Uh, don't know why we're even bringing up the legend at this point because neither the villain or the season got it from either one of us and i think we're both on the same page for our rating uh so why don't you give the rating for the villain since i agree with you and i'll give the rating for the season and you know we'll do it that way uh so clifford devoe our big bad of the season uh is getting a hero from both ben and i at the same score of a six um, this is a character that truly could have been a nine or 10, the first front half of the season without a shadow of a doubt. Uh, he was a terrifying, terrifying villain. It was just methodical and interesting and plotting in all these perfect ways. Neil Sandelman's gave us such a phenomenal, phenomenal performance. And then his character died. <laughs> and then he started to jump body to body to body. And when he was in Dominic, again, terrifying, interesting plotting everything worked and then that body went and then we kept kind of jumping from all the random buses and every performance became worse and worse and worse and worse and and then we get to the version with hartley sawyer and at that point in time we're like i don't care anymore i really just don't care anymore yeah (laughs) and that was the downside like it was this brilliant start that was so perfect and I loved what they were doing. But because you, you went through the hands of so many different actors and actresses, they never quite had the gravitas that Neil Sandelin's had. And it hurt the idea of who that character was and was supposed to be. It was a really great idea and concept that just kind of fizzled out over. And I think it was because it happened in a way that we're not used to for a season of The Flash. We're very used to seeing our villain revealed over a short period of time and uh or not a short period of time a longer period of time by usually mid-season we have all of the layers kind of peel back but because of what they were trying to do with Barry behind bars and the trial of the flash all that had to happen so early where it was like we saw like reverse flash while he was there the entire time we didn't know it was reverse flash scenes until much later on and when they unveiled DeVoe by the end of episode one or two, everything changed. We, we, we watched this play out over, you know, the entirety of the season. So by the time we hit episode 23, there was just nothing left for them to do, it felt like. And it, it's, you know, you hit episode 22 where Think Fast, where we see this amazing sequence and DeVoe's this really terrifying being. By the time it plays out and the, the enlightenment happens at the end, it was like, really, that's it? You're basically just making everybody stupid? And it was just kind of like it, it just didn't work. It just they they talked about this giant thing. It was like we've seen in the past with the girl where like, oh, this giant cataclysmic thing's going to happen that we're not going to tell you what the hell it is or what it's going to do. And then they say, oh, this is what it is. I'm like, that's it. That's that's really it. That's that's been this huge setup that you've been building up for the entirety of the season. You're going to make people stupid. I'm like, well, congratulations. We already live in America and it doesn't matter what earth you're in. There's a lot of stupid people. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're not really accomplishing Uh, much of a goal here. (laughs) uh, But I mean, it was just it just didn't it didn't play out. I don't know what you would like to add to that. But man, uh, 
by the end of it, I was just ready to be wrecked. Well, no, I agree with you with everything that you said, too. But the one thing that I do want to add to that as well is one of the things that, you know, adds to the component of a good villain of any show is the formidability of the of the villain. Like, we want to feel like this is somebody who, if we were stuck in this situation, we would fear. And unfortunately, it wasn't until that penultimate episode and that final moment, like, we knew what his plan was. He was absorbing all these powers of all these people, and that was by the end of the season, what the main gist of what he was trying to do was so that he could, again, go forward with this plan to make everybody stupid. And which, okay, you're going to extreme lengths just to dumb down the world. And that's okay. Uh, whatever, you know, whatever your motivation, be what it is. But we didn't even really feel that that intimidation of this character, that scene in the penultimate, the beginning of the penultimate, where we're like, okay, this guy has these abilities. He knows how to use them now. Why did it take that long to do that? Like, I felt like that whole opening scene of that penultimate episode was something we should have gotten maybe four or five episodes before it. So that as we're heading into it, we shouldn't have felt he was as dangerous as it shouldn't have taken until the penultimate to be made felt to, to be made to feel that that was, that he was really that formidable. Right. We should have felt that earlier on in the season. Yeah. And, and I, like I said, there was, I think, one of the best sequences that they had with him. It was this great moment when he was still, it was early on, um, where Barry goes and visits him at the college and they have that one on one conversation. And he absolutely reveals, you know, they revealed themselves to each other pretty much on everything. And I'm like, man, this is going to be amazing watching these two characters pit themselves against each other. Him constantly being that one step ahead, setting up Barry for the murder. All these pieces were so damn perfect. And it was so disappointing when that didn't play off and pay off the way it needed to. Yeah. No, I I agree with you completely. So, I mean, just between everything you said and then, again, waiting until that long to make him feel that intimidating was just it, – it really hurt the villain. I mean, I I had a lot of high hopes for DeVoe as a villain in the beginning of the season. And it just kind of went away. And yeah. it, it was rather unfortunate. Yeah. And like I said, it was very much on the precipice of being a, as formidable as somebody such as, you know, re- Reverse Flash. And yeah, it was just midway through. It just lost its lost its umph. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's pretty bad that, you know, there were particular times of the season when we felt the best met- bus metas were more formidable than, than DeVoe. Mm-hmm. And that this should have never been the case. Yeah. So, uh, but that leads us to the rating of the season as a whole. And I think I speak for Rob when I say that out of 10, we give this a seven. So it's a high hero and, um, but not a legend by far. And I think we might even be stretching a little bit by giving it a seven, especially with some of the criticisms that we've had of the season. But yeah, it may actually be a little bit closer to a six five. But I think because of all the things that we did enjoy that maybe have not were correlated to everything. And again, you still have to look at, as we mentioned, the front half of the season with the vote was really damn good. Um, and again, bringing characters like Ralph, all those things, man, they did a lot of fun stuff still this year. And uh, that sometimes outweighs the bad. Yeah, and and that's exactly how I'm looking at this when I say that we give the season a seven. There were so many great moments that still came out of the season. And again, when we said at the beginning that season four might be the worst season of The Flash, 
it's not really putting in the perspective considering that seasons one through three we've really enjoyed. So it just goes to say that we didn't enjoy this as much as the last three seasons. Right. There, Again, there could have that, been stronger moments. Yeah, it's that pizza analogy we brought up beforehand. It's exactly what it is. It, yeah. It's kind of like, hey, you're still eating pizza, and that's not a bad thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, I mean, unless you want to add anything to to that rating. Uh, no, the I'm season. right there with you. I mean, like, there's a couple things we never even got an opportunity to talk about. You did mention beforehand we got to see Leo Snark come back uh, again. Uh, his uh, for The foreseeable future, his lagger in the flash. Uh, you know, we we got another trickster episode that was a ton of fun uh, with uh, the elongated night rises, you know, it, which was a ton of fun to to watch play out. And, you know, we even have like little characters that popped in like Bill Goldberg's Big Sur. Yeah, it was uh, really you know, just a fun character while you know Barry was behind bars and was watching the relationship function and grow. All of these little pieces were just really just kind of wonderful to watch. And it was unfortunate that, again, uh, the main plot kind of just fell apart. But again, there's really big wow factor moments that did indeed happen this season. Uh, you know, again, Crisis on Earth X uh, was a ton of fun across all the shows this year. And so it was really great to see everything just p- continue to play. So I, I was really still in, in, absolutely enjoyed the season as a whole. And we ne- never even talked about the mystery girl uh, that we find out is uh, Nora Allen by the end. And her constant popping into the sequences was really fun to watch well uh, I, it, I think oh, we'll, i think we'll get to talk about her a little bit more uh, going into the season five annual mm-hmm. uh, and i mean we can bring her up now too if we're talking about like some predictions and such for for the next season but i i really i kind of left her out of this annual intentionally because i don't really think she contributed to the season she was no. just a fun little easter egg that it was and it was just, but it was one of those things that it was making you excited for the future uh, and that was I think they did succeed there in making you excited for what's to come next year. And I think that's the, that's a big positive is if it's like they're about to do something kind of different where it's kind of like, hey, this entire coming season is essentially going to be a flashpoint, but not Barry's flashpoint, which is kind of cool. I'm looking forward to seeing what can come from from this when another speed makes the same mistake that Barry made and how they can try to attempt to undo that. So I'm very curious to see how that's going to play out. Uh, I guess we're just transitioning right into that conversation as a whole for for next year. Um, you know, what are what are your thoughts and predictions for next year? Well, I know one of the big predictions is that um, you know, or one of the big theories is that Nora created her flashpoint, and that's one of the reasons why she is there. She's there to correct it. Uh, I mean, she says that at the end of the episode. Uh, you know, I think I, I think I screwed up. So. You know, that created that theory that Nora created her own flashpoint. And I, I'm okay with that. Um, but I, I don't know if that's necessarily the case. There's been some other stuff that's come out that makes me think like, okay, this isn't necessarily the what's going on. However, I will say something that I did predict a little bit early on in that one of the appearances that we saw of Nora, when she she kind of gives Iris that look like uh, like almost like a look of resentment. I think the writers have come out and said that in the future, Nora and Iris do not get along. Like they are having their issues, mm-hmm. which kind of goes into what I predicted. Like there was definitely a look of resentment at, at Iris from Nora. So I'm glad to see that that's going to play out a little bit. Cause it's going to make like a really interesting dynamic of one. Nora's going to have an opportunity to change her mother's opinion on her in some way, shape, or form. But Iris is going to have to deal with a daughter who she's never even met. 
having resentment for her at, for some odd reason. Mm-hmm. So I think that's going to make a really cool and interesting dynamic. And is I'm looking forward to that because I want to see them do more with Iris's character. Yeah. Um, one of my biggest complaints from this season that I never really brought up is the whole we are the Flash. And it wasn't until the end of the season I finally started to get on board with that. Because yeah. every other time I was, well, you're just riding his coattails. You're not doing anything. And it wasn't until the end, and I think it was Run Iris Run, that I, f- I finally started to be like, okay, now I can get on board with it a little bit. Because you've, you've experienced it now from Barry's side. Um, but I want to see them do more with Iris's character. I want to see them build her up as more than just kind of like a damsel in distress. Well, I want to see her come into her own, and I think this could do it. One of the things I really love that they got back to by the very end was Iris getting back to like her, you know to reporting and the Flash blog and stuff like that. And it was something I really enjoyed about her character previously that they kind of broke away from. And it was really great to see her kind of reconnect to who she was by season's end, which was really cool to see. Um, you know, I loved seeing her in a more leadershipy kind of role at Star Labs uh, after, you know, Barry kind of disappeared at the end of last year. Uh, and and they pull him back in from, uh, from, from the whole portal and bring him out of the Speed Force. But... It was really kind of awesome on how some of that played out, and she did have a big character growth this year, and it was really great to see Iris move forward. So I really want to see, just like you put it, that forward momentum continue to build with her because she was a character I know a lot of fans didn't enjoy, and I I know you and me didn't never really had too much of an issue with her, but this was the year that it felt like she finally took a step forward. I, I really hope that they don't lose that momentum with her. So I'm really excited to see what's going to come from her. I would love to see next year, too, a lot more of Poppy. Uh, we felt like those close moments between him and Barry were very few and far between this year. I would really like to see that continue in a much larger way that we have seen previously. It's kind of that mentoring role of like, well, guess what? You're a dad. It may not be that you're not a father right now, but you're going to be, and this is how you overcome these problems. And I would like to see kind of that family mentoring ship kind of passing down between the two of them. And I think that's something we will indeed see. Um, one character that we never talked about throughout this annual that I definitely hope plays a part next year. I want to see the marriage counselor return. <laughs> she, was, <laughs> she was absolutely the best because man, she was such a fun, just unique, weird way for these characters guys to spill their guts. Um, and it was done in such this fun way. Um, and it was just them constantly being like, yeah, we know a lot of people that died. <laughs> so, <laughs> Yeah, I, I think I, I do like that aspect of it, but I know one of the biggest complaints I saw online from people was them overusing the whole trouble in paradise of their marriage kind of thing. And I agree with you. I'm more on your side of that. It's like it added levity to the season. It added a little bit of humor. So I, I don't really see anything wrong with it. I don't know if I agree with I want to see more of it. Not more of it, but I just want to uh, see the character return every once in a while. It's just a good joke because I will say it was just that ran its course perfectly throughout the season. And I think if if time permits and the situation permits, she should be a, she would be a great character to have pop back in from time to time. But yeah, I do understand the paradise stuff, but I think it's because, again, you're dealing with a relationship. A relationship always will have ups and downs. And whether it's a boyfriend and girlfriend, fiancés uh, or a marriage, whatever it may be, uh, is always going to be something that's going to happen regardless. So um, 
as long as it's done and it's done well, and I'm sure we're definitely going to see some bumps in the road, especially with, you know, Nora now being a part of this. And I'm guaranteeing it's going to cause some form of wedge between Barry and Iris. And uh, But I think because of the situation, it makes a lot of sense there's going to be kind of, as you put it, the trouble in paradise. Uh, so I, I'm really looking forward to seeing how that dy- dynamic works how they make it function, how Nora's connection to the rest of Team Flash is going to be. Um, you know, we also have Caitlin Snow is going to be really kind of evolving, I think, next year as well, where we're going to find out a lot about her and how Killer Frost is going to function and work. And I think I wouldn't be surprised by the end of season five if we're just going to see her mind kind of form together and Killer Frost is not going to be just a second person. She is going to actually just be killer frost and it's caitlin is just killer frost it's not two two sides of a coin and uh they're they're gonna connect and i think that's definitely gonna happen next season yeah no i i agree with that i i agree with that completely um as far as other things i'd like to see next and obviously i don't know um <laughs> you know when it comes to harrison wells i don't know what form of harrison we're gonna get next season but it's been confirmed kavanaugh's returning so um, As a regular, yeah, I, it sounds like it's going to be a it's going to be a, a a version of Wells that can't be trusted. Uh, so it makes you wonder what type of Wells this is going to be. Uh, is this going to be more villainous? Is this going to be God? There's been so many. <laughs> so um, I, I'm just I'm I, I can't wait. <laughs> so. I, when it come, when it comes him, uh, I'm along for the ride, man. I, I just whatever version we get is the one we get, and I'm almost confident that I'm going to love it. Either way, so I'm I'm not concerned. At yeah, all. Um, I'm, I'm ready. I'm just I'm ready for a new season. Um, yep. Yeah. Uh, any other predictions before we move on to news and recommendations? Uh, not prediction, but one thing I can say I, I really absolutely not wait to see. Well, is two small things. Can't wait to see that ring finally. On, oh yeah. On uh, forgot you know, about Barry, that. Barry's finger, and uh, in addition to it, there's one episode we know that's coming. That I'm beyond excited about, which is the Gorilla Grodd King Shark team up episode, which is going to be just amazing. So I, I will say too, just from what I've heard, I'm excited not just for the season, but I'm excited for the premiere. And the main reason behind that is that Grant Gustin has come out and said, um, there's one thing that he's always wanted to do with this show that he never thought it would ever be possible. And they're doing it. And they're doing it in the premiere. So I, I don't know what that is, but it has me extremely curious. And if he's as excited about it as he is, then I am too. Yeah. I can't wait to see um, this. Only other hope, and it's a long shot stretch that it'll ever happen, but I would kill to see it happen. Give us a episode with our just wonderful friend, uh, John Wesley Ship, dressed as the old school Flash from the 90s. Ooh, bring this back that would bring be awesome. back an aging version of that flash just for even if it's a couple scenes or a moment how amazing would that be from like another yeah. earth like he's the version of the flash from, yeah, from that earth it's that another barry tough. allen and it's that barry allen from that world that would just be That'd stunning be... hey man we already know it exists in the multiverse because we saw it when he was running back in yeah, time so why not so it, we already know it's connected Let's do it Exactly. Um, all right. So with that being said, we know there is quite a bit of news, some of it that we didn't even get to post to the website, uh, to the Facebook pages of yet. So I'll turn it over to you for some. All right. Stories. We're going to hit the TV side of the world thing. We're going to focus on the 
TV world. Then we're going to go into DC Universe a little bit. Then we'll shift into the movie side of things. But first and foremost, the TCAs just happened this past week. So there were a couple of things that came out. One of them is quite a bit of a bombshell. We'll save that to the end. Uh, but Mark Pedowitz uh, from CW did come out and say one specific thing. As far as the you know future of the Arrowverse that currently the shows do uh, that shows do eventually end but we have no plans yet to end one or any of them currently and he says we'll see what uh what we are uh, where we come out as the seasons go on or not seasons but season goes on so that doesn't mean things are safe still for the following year but again currently everything is meant to be uh continuing to move forward at this point in time uh, and there is no no thought process about canceling anything quite yet so Hopefully that means Legends of Tomorrow, Arrow, and all those shows are safe yet again. CW usually lets their shows continue and grow. Um, I mean, and God, yeah, look at yeah. Supernatural. But like I said, I will say, you know, <laughs> certain shows have indeed ended. Look at, I know uh, a show that was a big fan favorite in a lot of communities was Vampire Diaries, and that did come to an end. The, re- the original came to an end, and there's a new spinoff coming out this year as both of those shows have wrapped, but... They're letting that world kind of continue to breathe. Uh, another, There's a show that's definitely kind of become a, a, a cult hit is uh, The 100. The 100, it was a show that most people didn't think was going to get to a season three or four. It's about to enter season five. Uh, you know, iZombie's coming to an end, but they have planned for that show to wrap. Um, so it's they seem like they're, they're letting shows run their courses properly. But again, with the exception of Supernatural, that has gone on way too long. But hey, uh, they know it's a hit, so they're, they're going to let it do its thing. And that's okay. So... Uh, as long as these shows don't like wear out, they're welcome and they end at a proper point in time. But I'm happy to see that uh, the Arrowverse is continuing to grow and they're letting it do so. Now, I do want to I do want to make one good point about that real quick, too. We, you know, we've we've made mention about how Stephen Amell has come out and said before, like, right, this is this, this is our last season. And, you know, right now they're going into what season seven next season. Um just because the show is going to continue doesn't necessarily mean the main actors are going to continue with the show. Um, I, I, uh, let's be, I'll, I'll, I will preface. I don't think any that era will continue if Amel is not the star. No, I, I don't. And I'm not saying that Amel is not going to be part of season eight. I, I'm not saying that at all. I think he absolutely will be. Um, but I think I'm just saying that these shows could continue without their actors. You know, they're not called. Oliver Queen is the arrow. It's just called arrow. So we've seen other people take up the mantle of temporarily before. Doesn't mean that necessarily that somebody couldn't take it up for them. If, if by chance, Steven or Grant or anybody decided those roles. Uh, that's true. Uh, do, well, do I think it'll happen? Not no, not at all. <laughs> I don't think so either. All uh, right. Uh, so speaking of arrow, we did find actually one returning character in season seven. That is Amanda Watson, who was the person that arrested uh, good old Oliver Queen at the end of the season and caused quite a few problems for him last year. Uh, so we don't know how many episodes she's going to be involved in, but we do know she has been spotted in Vancouver shooting. So it sounds like she will have some form of presence, at least early on. Season, so we'll have to wait and see. Jumping over to The Flash, we did have uh, quite a bit of a surprise this week where we did see one small story uh, as far as another village into the roster. And that is uh, the character of Spin. And they're actually kind of uh, doing a gender bet on that version. We're going to have a female version of the villain Spin. Uh, she is a character that can actually help control people's fear, kind of uh, similar to a way that you view uh, the Scarecrow a little bit without using gas, but it's just uh, is a meta. Uh, but we did find out that uh, 
Diana Made- uh, Madeira, I think, is the name of the actress that is going to be joining in for this coming season. Uh, she was uh, in um, a TV show called Sacred Lies, as well as uh, Dark and Winona Earp. So we'll see her join into the mix. Uh, but in addition to that, the big part of The Flash is we did get to see a shot of the brand new costume for The Flash. And it definitely is a costume that has a lot of fans divided right now. Um, apparently, a lot of people are saying when you see that suit in action, it looks stunning and gorgeous. A lot of other people were uh, not the happiest. And actually, to the point where Grant actually had to come out and uh, kind of address it publicly. Because um, a lot of people kind of body shaming him that he was just too thin and small and just did not look right for this character. And he went on a, a really kind of wonderful uh, – and had a wonderful statement and was actually the one that ended up unveiling uh, the poster of a good full shot versus the one that kind of leaked out earlier in the week. Uh, but I will say uh, it, it's I think it's going to take a little time to get used to. We lost that classic chin strap that has always been there uh, on the cowl. Uh, but the suit itself, they apparently have removed any kind of leather. It's more of a spandex look and more uh, traditional to the comics. Um, so we did see if you kind of look at it, you also see kind of the bolts on the side of the cowl kind of extend out and look a little bit more like the traditional comic book look. So I think it might take a little bit of time to get used to, but I'm sure once we see that suit in action, it's going to look great. Do we think this is the suit that's going to come out of the ring? I'm fairly certain that's going to be the case. Okay. So uh, we haven't got a full body shot of it yet where we can see it kind of upright and still or like a side shot. We're only seeing this head on uh, with a lot of effect work around it. And we've only seen from that other tease shot where it was just a torso up. Um, So I'm looking forward to seeing seeing the suit in full. But uh, I will say from some of the shots I've seen, um, I do like it. I think, again, the cow looks a little weird because we're not this used to seeing, I think, uh, most of Grant's face kind of exposed. So I, I, I'm looking forward to seeing how it looks. But they usually do a pretty damn good job with the costume design uh, across the board for a lot of these characters. So and again, we've seen this, this costume tweaked several times in this show. So don't be surprised if uh, if fan action isn't great, if we don't see this altered and tweaked yet again. So um, but I'm excited to see this in motion. No, as as am I. Uh, And now the big, big story for this week is uh, the casting of Batwoman has happened for the era. And that is none other than actress Ruby Rose, who I think is a exceptional, exceptional casting choice for this character. There there are some people on the opposite side of that. (laughs) There are. There absolutely are. But for the Uh, most part, I think I think uh, from what I've seen, I think most people are pretty pleased with it. Absolutely. Uh, I, I think a lot of people were basing it as like, oh, well, she's she wasn't a good actress in John Wick, blah, 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 blah. Um, man, I, I used to watch Orange is the New Black pretty heavily, and uh, she was fantastic. And I think it was season three. I loved her to death in that. Uh, she had a fun little small role in Pitch Perfect 3, another kind of amusing series. And uh, Hey, I, I, I saw the Meg twice already, and she's in that, and I think she's great. I think yeah. she's great in it. And I, I'm really kind of very pleased that uh, CW actually – uh, cast uh, you know, an openly uh, gay character to play a gay character. That's awesome. It's really great to see them really taking some amazing steps there. You know, we have our first uh, transgendered actress playing uh, a transgendered hero. Uh, you know, all these things. They're making some really great uh, positive moves out there. And I'm really happy and excited to see that CW's um, actually kind of really listening. And I, it was great to see there's a beautiful video that we did post about, you know, Ruby Rose's reaction. She was, I forget which show she was on um, for that. She was actually, she was at, uh, oh, it was Jimmy Fallon. Yes, Jimmy um, Fallon. And she gives yeah. such a touching, touching kind of 
speech about all of this. So I'm really excited to have her on board and how excited she is to play this character. And man, I cannot wait to see the first full unveil of her uh, suited up. So me neither. And I know one of the things that was said in the article that announced uh, her as Batwoman was um, the fact that as of right now, yes, there is a show in development for uh, for Batwoman, but it's not supposed to be until 2019, 2020. This is strictly for the crossover as of right now. If for all the naysayers out there that don't feel like she's a good fit, I will give you a little bit of advocate here in that if it does not work with her as Batwoman, they can recast before the show premieres. It's been done before. I don't see that happening, but that can happen. All I'm going to say is to all the people who naysayed about this is give this a shot. Oh, I can say actually and what I can say is Heath Ledger, done and done. Let's move forward. <laughs> True, yeah. Because everybody tore him apart and everybody adored him. So, hey, yep. just, you know, just give them, always give everybody a fair shot. And as we always say on the show, form your own opinion. So yeah. just chill and don't freak out yeah. about casting announcements. Just, Wait and just watch relax. it happen. Yeah. <laughs> please just relax let it happen and then make your opinion. if it's not for you don't watch it's okay no one will no one will tear you apart for it it's okay Agreed. <laughs> it's okay uh, but i'm excited and like i said again i you know we'll see her in the crossover uh early on i think it's episode eight or episode nine for all the shows uh when we see that see the play out i think it is episode um the episode eight for everything this season is when we'll see that so in november We'll see her for the very first time on uh, the small screen. So uh, looking forward to seeing Batwoman uh, in the flesh and see it out. So and uh, I wish them the best of luck on on the filming for the pilot. I'm really, really excited to see what they're going to do with that. All right. Jumping over to DC Universe. There's a couple small things going on uh, revolving around Doom Patrol and a little bit of news on Stargirl. Uh, more specifically, right now for Doom Patrol, we have our casting for Cyborg, and that is Yon Wade will be joining in. Uh, I'm trying to see if I could find much about him, but as far as I understand, it was a uh, Mandem on the Wall, uh, and then Netflix's movie, uh, film, it's the Weekend movie, uh, also was part of BBC's The Interceptor. So uh, definitely in quite a bit of stuff. So we're uh, looking forward to seeing how he plays out. There's still some more additional news that's going to be kind of breaking over Doom Patrol coming soon because they are early on. I think in um in their filming process right now, but it sounds like we did also find our villain for Doom Patrol, uh, is Eric Morden, aka the villain known as Mister Nobody, seems to be uh the odds-on favorite to uh, play the big bad. So looking forward to seeing how uh, how they play this out. So, um, but all right, we'll jump over a little bit more now to Stargirl, and it sounds like we're gonna get some interesting things. Now our hope was we were gonna see a little bit of JSA. When Stargirl did come to the mix. And it sounds like that indeed will be the case. Uh, there's been uh, some audition tapes for lead roles that have kind of leaked out outside of Courtney Whitmore, a.k.a. Stargirl. But there was also some mentions of Dr. Midnight and Our Man in the mix as well. Um, there was uh, some other things jumping up to where they mentioned uh, st uh, Stripes. So which could be obviously obvious Stargirl's father. So I'm sure we'll actually see that character in the mix quite as well. Uh, and I'm just kind of again curious to see how that is going to play out but it also sounds like we're going to see the yolanda uh, montez version of wildcat in the mix so uh that will probably be one of stargirl's kind of besties in the show so man i'm just excited to see what they're going to do because jeff johns man he is really heavily was heavily involved in making sure that this happened and it was such a prolific writer on jsa so 
uh, I'm sure with uh, his hand, because it sounds like he is taking on some kind of role still somewhat to make sure that this project plays out well as he's transitioning back into more of a writer's front. I'm Um, I'm just in general, I'm just excited to see everything that's coming to this damn DC universe, man. It's just I'm I'm yeah, incredibly (laughs) excited. Uh, but let's take a right turn and hang the world of the uh, the silver screen. And more specifically, we're going to talk a little bit about Birds of Prey. Some new things came out this week and a couple big things of that. So uh, it sounds like right now uh, we did talk about some casting rumors last week. But it sounds like right now they're looking at potentially trying to cast a multiracial actress for Black Canary. They haven't given any major specifics yet, but uh, there is still those reports. It's Jodie Comer, Blake Lively, or Vanessa Kirby right now are still high up there on the list. Uh, but it's a big wait and see on who was cast. I'm sure we're going to find out fairly, fairly soon. Uh, so it's a big wait. I, I, I like uh, Blake. Li- I'm sorry to keep jumping in. Um, uh, but Blake, Blake Lively, I think it's a great choice. Vanessa Kirby, I think, is an excellent choice. Mm-hmm. That's just my opinion. Uh, well. Oh, yeah. And then, like I said, we did find out, too, there's been some plot rumors. Uh, we did report beforehand that Cassandra Kane was going to be involved in this. And it sounds like we now know how. Uh, it sounds like Cassandra's actually going to be a uh, it's going to be a younger actress, uh, more in the kind of like maybe like early teens. Uh, and it sounds like the heroes are actually trying to go in to help save her. So um, that's this is one of the major situations and catalysts in that. And obviously, if you know Cassandra Kane, she was in the pre-New 52 universe, was one of the people that previously portrayed the role of Batgirl uh, and later became uh, the Black Bat in the uh, the new uh, post-New 52. So looking forward to seeing how she kind of plays into this. And then I think her new new character name in the new universe i believe is orphan so uh so we're waiting to see on how that's going to play out but uh it sounds like the actress potentially lined up to play the character is peyton elizabeth lee um right now i'm trying to see she was actually made some appearances on shameless and scandal uh so uh we'll wait and see on how everything plays out for her uh but the big big story for birds of prey it sounds like we have this our awesome. villain and it's not somebody anybody really expected. There was rumors and rumors upon rumors that we were going to be seeing the penguin as the big bad. Then later was seeing Cassandra Kane's father. Uh, seems like that is not the case for either. It's possible that we might see David Kane actually kind of in mix somewhere. But it sounds like drug king, the drug kingpin of Gotham City, Roman Sionis, a.k.a. the Black Mask, could be our big bad. Uh, and man, That's- oh man, would that be fan? Yeah. That is awesome, awesome choice uh, for a villain because I think he's somebody that just has been – I don't want to say overlooked, but somebody like we should have gotten to this point and we haven't yet. And I'm glad that we're finally getting him on the big screen. Yeah, only only ever received one in the flesh appearance. And it wasn't even a traditional version of Sionis. It was actually Roman's father who we actually saw in – I believe it was early on in season two of Gotham. A uh, really quick episode where you do masks around, and uh, we do know from a classic comic book lore that uh, Black Mask's actual mask is made from the casket of his father. So they could go in a really interesting and very messed up and dark way for this film. So uh, Black Mask is an incredibly interesting character that has such a long, long history in Batman's rogues gallery. I'm looking forward to seeing what the character. So uh, fingers crossed for something pretty damn awesome. 
Uh, but jumping into another movie that we're still incredibly excited for, and that is Joker from Todd Phillips. And it sounds like it has been confirmed. Zazie Betts is going to be joining the cast. Uh, if you haven't seen Deadpool 2, she played the wonderfully cre- a wonderful character, Domino. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what she can do as she joins in with Joaquin Phoenix, Mark Marin, and Robert De Niro. How amazing <laughs> is it to say that? So I'm like, man, this movie, every time we talk about it, just gets more and more intriguing. I'm excited. I am incredibly excited because uh, I was not too familiar with her until and I just recently got the chance to see Deadpool. Man, uh, I am. I'm fully on board. Absolutely on board. All right. Jumping a little bit into some uh, some side stuff that's happening in the realm of the DC universe. Well, sorry, the world of DC. I'm trying to get remember, like, remember to actually say that properly now. Um, but Ray Fisher did say he is not leaving the role of Cyborg. Uh, we don't know too, too much about what's quite yet. Uh, but again, now that we have this new story with uh, the stuff going on with Doom Patrol, we will indeed have two cyborgs in the world of DC. Uh, but we don't know anything if the feature film starring Ray Fisher is going to continue. He's going to have some involvement in the Flash film. Um, it's still a wait to see what's going to indeed happen. So, uh, But jumping over to, there's um, some set shots that came out of Wonder Woman 1984. And it looks like we have a shot that's happening uh, on a uh, little Egyptian village, it looks like. Uh, it is appearing. So uh, that indeed looks like that may be tied into seeing Barbara Ann Minerva, a.k.a. Cheetah's origin story, uh, because we do know that Barbara Ann Minerva is indeed an archaeologist, and that's indeed how she does find the totem that transforms her Cheetah. So it sounds like that's the way they're going to kind of blend this into the mix. But that those uh, set shots are definitely out there, um, which is on the Canary Islands set. So. I'm sure we'll be seeing more of that come out soon. Uh, there was also another shot that came out of Diana Prince, a.k.a. Wonder Woman, kind of rocking some uh, very, very 80s garb where we see her in kind of this white dress that does kind of harken back to some old comic uh, you know, shots where we've seen some major costume changes for her character. So that, kind of, that does look very similar. So I'm wondering how we'll see that in what form. Uh, but the last story of the week, there's been some interesting kind of motions happening with that uh one of the things that's out there and again take this with a massive massive well actually microscopic grain of salt as we do with everything that comes out of this batman movie story uh but there we don't know if this is tied to the batman but there has been a lot of shots apparently ben affleck apparently looking like he's getting back into batman shape Uh, a lot of shots have been coming out and a lot of talk has been coming that it sounds like he may not indeed be done uh, portraying a character we know it's probably not in Matt Reeves film but we also found out very soon too Affleck is indeed going to be helped produce the Batman still he has not broken away from the project it sounds like he is indeed still a producer on this movie um, and we don't know to what extent he's helping do this but uh, they said he is still very much involved in this completely uh, and it's uh, it sounds like production is officially going to begin as we mentioned before that it was probably early, like, you know, early 2019 has been confirmed spring 2019. This is going to start production. Full, Look, so I, I'm just going to say this as I've as I've said before, I like Affleck as Batman. I do, too. I think he he did a, an amazing job. It was, uh, I think, really the Zack Snyder's mistake of trying to age up the character, which screws up everything. Yeah. So, I mean, if he's getting back in the Batman shape to play Batman again, I am all for it. I'm completely. 
Yeah, but it feels like it's the never-ending story of will he, won't they? Yeah. It, it, it's the Ross and Rachel of the world. It, I was things. just going to say that. <laughs> it is It is the Ross and Rachel of the of the Batman universe right now, is if Affleck will return for the role. And if he does, that's fa- that's fantastic, because I loved him in the role. If, if not, he, John Hamm. <laughs> John Hamm, exactly. Let's get John Hamm in there to do it. Oh, God, that would be a, so just wonderful. <laughs> Uh, but that wraps up the news for this week. Uh, cool. So then let's list a couple recommendations. We'll do our cheap plugs and we'll get out of here. Uh, my recommendation for this week is something a little different. Uh, Rob, as I'm, I'm sure you know, knowing me for the you know past couple years, as my friends do, I was a huge Robin Williams fan. Um, this past Saturday would have marked the fourth anniversary in which we lost him. Uh, the world lost him. So my recommendation, just go back and watch some old Robin Williams movies. It's as simple as that. It's actually kind of funny because my recommendation was actually Robin Williams associated as well, uh, which was kind of surprising. Last night I had an opportunity. We were just scrolling through Netflix and trying to find something to watch. And we stopped on a movie I remember hearing about for quite a while. I just never sat down and watched it. I always passed over it on Netflix. So I was like, I should watch that eventually. And that was absolutely anything. Uh, yeah, Simon, Simon Pegg. Simon Pegg, Eddie Izzard, the entire remaining alive cast of Monty Python and Robin Williams. Man, it was the best way to put it. It is Bruce Almighty mixed with Hitchers to the Galaxy. Yeah, it was. Just a, it was. A, it was. It was a fun cute movie and robin williams does a voice of a dog in that which is really just fun it's a it's not the greatest thing uh you know in the world but it was fun it was it was a fun if you want a good laugh uh with your time i think just if you just need something to kind of get a good chuckle um give it a shot it's a it's quite a bit of fun uh and then comic book you know realms uh Deadpool 2 is available digitally i finally had a chance to watch it it was a lot of fun. I actually laughed out loud quite a bit in that movie. Um, I still got to say, I still think I like Teen Titans go to the movies a little bit more than De- uh, Deadpool 2. Uh, but again, um, a lot of uh, a lot of the fun same stuff. And if you get a chance, make sure to watch the super duper cut. I know there's some extra fun added scenes that were really, really funny. So give that a shot when you get an opportunity to. And uh, make sure kids are not around for that one. Yeah. <laughs> Because all I can say, full Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> That's right. I forgot about that. Oh, uh, very, very I love funny. It. Very, very funny movie. Yes. Uh, cool. So cheap plugs, and then we will get out of here and let you guys enjoy the rest of your week. Uh, first things first, you can find all of the rest of the podcast on the Next Level Podcast Network at nextlevelradioonline.com or facebook.com slash nextlevelradioonline. And then, of course, there is the Facebook page for this podcast, facebook.com slash Time which once again we want you to share get to a thousand likes and you could be one of the two people to win an annual subscription to the new and upcoming dc universe as for me you can always find me at the caffeine crew cast of pods through next level radio online.com uh, our last episode of the mythology and legends one uh is about run its course because that means it's time for a brand new episode uh this wednesday coming we will be recording our jim henson episode uh i think we already have our cast picked out unfortunately and i'm not a part of it unfortunately i know it's a pain because like i said it's tricky to pull six people together yeah and ben's like i can't do this one day and everybody else is like we can't do the day that he can do and i'm like crap <laughs> son of a bitch it was it happens it was six to one <laughs> so yeah. uh but it sounds like our cast is going to be tj aaron myself uh jada and cat and i believe our good friend paul Fash, who actually was recently not that long ago was at the henson museum so um i'm excited to um 
to be able to dive in and we're going to be talking about the creatures, the world and shows and movies that he helped create. So very excited to uh, be able to break that down. That'll probably be very, very similar to our uh, our Disney episode. So this is a great one. If you've never heard the show before, we'll be uh, that will probably be releasing, uh, I would say, in about a week from now. So uh, keep your eyes peeled for that. And um, yeah, that's uh, that's it for me. Cool. Uh, so yeah, so next week, uh, we will be a day late as the, the podcast will release on Tuesday rather than Monday because of Rob being away. But we are going to be bringing you the final annual of our finals this season, that being Arrow. Oh, I can't wait to just get it out of the way. <laughs> um, I, I will say this. I think I know what our very first side episode is going to be. And I think you'll, I, I just think we should just announce it right now because even though I haven't talked to you about it, I know you will be more than excited to do it. I think it's finally time to review two movies back to back. And that's going to be the classic Superman from Richard Donner. But we also should do a bad alongside that. And not the Tim Burton one. I think it's time to review the classic Adam West, Burt Ward, Batman flick. Uh, Ooh, I haven't watched that in a while either. I haven't either. And I think it's time. <laughs> I think it's time that that, that movie gets its it's chance to shine along with the Richard Donner Superman, because I think it's they're two wonderfully just great movies, completely different veins. One of them just gave us this pure camp and the other one showed us and made us believe a man could fly. So it's time. Dare I dare I say Silver Age issue two? Uh, I think it's time to say Silver Age issue two. Maybe we'll add a third movie into the mix and maybe we'll double Batman it up in this one. So we'll 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 maybe we'll, we'll talk, but I think uh, I think those two could be a perfect, perfect mix. I mean, because today is just some days you just can't get rid of a bomb. You really can't. So <laughs> I love that line. Oh. That's probably one, like one of my favorite lines from that movie. I used to watch the movie so much as a kid, man. I that VHS <clears throat> tape into the ground. <laughs> so yeah, I haven't watched it in a while. I haven't watched the Richard Donner Superman in a while either. I haven't. I, um, yeah, I, I think that's a good idea. I, I think our first follow up after that is that's a be... great that's a great palate cleanser as we head into the rest of the summer. So. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Uh, guys, with that being said, uh, again, Arrow Annual next week. But in the meantime, uh, enjoy the rest of your week and we'll see you guys around the bend. Take care. Peace. <laughs>